welcome to the Take Your Data Points and the Goals Will Come podcast. I'm still Cahill, and with me is still Brian. 28 years older, not getting any younger. Yeah, but, you know, on the plus side, your birthday present for this year, which has been built, you know, over uh, stretched out over several months, has been the wonderful season of hurling we've had. Oh, will I um will I will I will I take it in the style of those hurling commentators who've been going on all year? Mana from heaven hurling genius Sure how would you ever get anything better than hurling? Oh, oh These fools those pure mortal fools in other countries who have to make do with lesser sports. Ah there. I mean, though, do you disagree? At the same time, we mock, but, like, it was really good. Um, <laughs> oh, it's been a great year. So it, it actually has, in all seriousness, yeah, it's been a great year. Yeah, like, <laughs> so what we're going to do now, um, partially to split up the episodes, because I have, I wrote, like, oh, up to 13 pages of notes now, I just noticed. Yeah. You used the old college trick of putting in a big table to get you over the page count. I did, but <laughs> it's still it's still a lot there, so I think... Um, in order to break things up a bit, we're going to have this episode just be about the All-Ireland Final specifically, discussing mm. that. And then the next and final episode of this season will be discussing the championship as a whole. But um, just to summarize the championship, like, because it, it needs to be mentioned, like, I was running some of the numbers on this, and it is the highest score. I, I looked, I, I compared this championship overall to the last 30 years of All-Ireland's. This was the highest scoring mm. one so far out of those 30 years, and probably all time, because most of the historical ones don't score as highly, because they don't score points, they go for goals. Wow. And it was also, out of those 30 years, the one with the third narrowest average winning margin. Hmm. The average match was won by about 6.4 points. And when you consider, like, that includes blowouts in the Joe McDonough, again, you know, the teams playing me, that includes, you know, the 15-plus point wins over Offaly and Leinster, bring the average up that includes the preliminary round with carlo versus limerick which was totally nuts like includes all those matches and still the average is down to about six and a half points per game so like it was it was high scoring but close at the same time um and just yeah it was great fun i really enjoyed it yeah no i have to say now like if i was to think of all the matches that we've had this year i can't remember Particularly, and I'll, I'll let the bias go there, uh, particularly Monster. I can't actually remember a game that I was actually bored watching. Mm. Um, like, I thought, like, the hallmark was they were pretty competitive. Um, there was some brilliant Monster. The round robin in particular, I thought, was a huge success. I really think that's kind of something that's kind of been... Um, has been a, a big success in, in, in the way these matches have come out, uh, have yeah. come, and uh, I think it's actually, like been fundamental and actually leading us to like, a, which I would agree, probably actually one of the best All Irelands this year, and it's not one that was clear we're in the final for. So that's a lot to say. Mm. I'd like to mention as well, just because you mentioned Munster specifically, mm. that had uh, uh, the Munster matches were basically had an extra point beyond above average. And uh, were even narrower. They're only about four and a half points winning margin in the average game in Munster. Yeah, the the numbers hold. You know, they support the emotional attachment. I suppose we're using numbers to support our arguments. This is what we believe. Now we have to make the numbers make that make that case true. We are men who, and we 
I, you know, live on the internet, so I can only express my emotions through numbers. <laughs> Overall, my creative outlet is listing data. <laughs> Overall, um, I, I, as I was looking at the match, my impression, and maybe I don't know if you'll agree or you disagree. I think Limerick were deserved winners on the match. I, I didn't think, you know, what I think in their based on their form all year. And the way they started that game, this is a team that really want to win. Yeah, I'd agree with it. So the final score, for those who haven't heard yet, for some reason, mm. you know, that you're enthusiast enough to listen to this podcast but not hear the result, it was 218 to Galway, and Limerick's 316 says, I just whooped your ass. Mm-hmm. Got to make that Stone Cold reference. That's a, that's a wrestling very, reference. Very, very current <laughs> Early Naughty's wrestling is very current. <laughs> Obviously, amazing win for Limerick. 45-year gap in their championships. They actually have the fourth most championships. They're next behind the big three, but like 45 years without any championship wins. Um, and so many close so many close ones in the past. It's 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 a big, big moment. Like last, last year we were saying, isn't it great for Galway winning their first one in about 30 years? But mm. like it's... It's longer for Limerick. Maybe they didn't reach as high, you know, as many finals in the last ten years as Galway did. But it's a it's a big, big breakthrough for them after years of coming close and years of underperforming. And also, they're one year out from being third place in Division One B in the league and getting knocked out in like the first preliminary round of the All Ireland. Like it's a it's a pretty big uh, pretty big change in one year. Yeah, like it's a massive, uh, it's a massive turnaround, and I suppose look, maybe the extra games, and definitely there's been a change in the way they played. Um, definitely this year, like it was ten- that kind of hallmark tenacity, I think, which has just been really has kept them in so many matches, and that kind of thing of that they're they're not done until the that kind of final whistle blows, and that was certainly the case in this game. Oddly enough, actually, um, they led. For most of the match, which is not something I think really anyone expected, um, you know, and at a certain point, like they had an eight-point lead going into with what ten minutes to go. Yeah, yeah, they actually. Le- I have the stats of this lying around. Um, they led, I think, for all but for all but I'd say about three minutes of the match. Most of that, most of that three minutes, about two of that three minutes, or two and a half of that three minutes, it was level, and then there was like. A small portion of that were Galway led, but then Limerick scored their, I think, their first goal to pull ahead again. So mm. Limerick almost wire to wire led this game, and also, you see, I've I've been doing I've been doing all my analysis for uh, going to plug because it'll probably be up around the same time that this episode is going to plug a new article coming up, which will just be analysis of the final, going to all Sweet. those numbers fully. Um, but yeah, uh, Limerick led almost the entire match in terms of scoring. In terms of like turnovers uh, forced, like Galway had more turnovers than Limerick at every point of this match, bar the first minute. Yeah, Limerick were just, they were really just, yeah. They just dominated in possession. They really did. Like Galway, always what you expect from Galway is that they will just fire the ball up the pitch and they will rely on the fact that they can catch it because they are almost all really, really tall. Mm. And they usually 
bully teams out of possession, usually they're... A lot of the time, they actually don't shoot that accurately, even though they have very good scores, but it's just, like, they just rely that they'll get enough possession. They don't have to be super accurate. But Limerick just ran all around them. Um, going through some of the stats for long passes, I think... Yeah, okay, for, for example, puckouts. Uh, long puckout attempts. Both teams, any of their short puckouts, they both made all of them. Yeah. Limerick won... 71% of their long puckouts. Very good, actually. That's like, actually uh, really good. Mo- most teams will basically get 50-50. Um, and, you know, decent teams will get a little bit above that. And, you know, Galway got about 56%. And normally that would be sufficient for long puckouts because they usually are only a little bit better than 50-50. But Limerick yeah. had 71%. Similarly, Galway's long passes from play... They only got 39% of them. Limerick intercepted the rest, or they went, like, they were forced over the sideline. Um, whereas Limerick then made, like, 60% of their own long passes from play they completed. Uh, Galway's long passes from freeze, not a single one made it to a Galway player in the end. They only had one pass from a free that was taken short, and, you know, that's the only one that they completed. Like, Limerick just outworked Galway all over the pitch. It didn't matter that Galway were bigger and stronger, they just looked dead on their feet next to Limerick. Yeah, actually, it was actually particularly noticeable in that first half. It just seemed like Limerick were making all the runs. Limerick were doing all the work. They had the possession. And Galway just really seemed to kind of lack in answers and just kind of seemed a bit aimless, like in terms of just kind of stayed put, didn't really make as many runs as you might, you know, as you might like to see and just a bit listless and just kind of, shell-shocked for that first half. This may want to be partially my clear bias coming in here mm. that I want to take partial credit for uh, Galway's defeat in this All-Ireland, but I think they were still wrecked from uh, the semi-final replay and probably the Leinster final replay as well. Uh, Galway played more matches than any team this year in the All-Ireland. I think they had nine matches in all. Um, Limerick had eight, but Galway had more of them closer together towards the tail end of the championship than Limerick did. Limerick got a nice three-week break Galway mm. two weeks after playing two matches, you know, in a row week on week. So I think it was, I think it just added up. And as well, the fact that Galway have such a physical style, they normally do push teams around. They have very hard tackling. They're relentless most of the time. And I think that just, like Galway players probably had to put that bit more of themselves in matches over the course of the championship yeah, the average team did. I, I think they were just they were exhausted through a combination of how much they had to play and their style of play. And both teams have deep benches, but I almost feel as well like Limerick used theirs a good bit more. I think they had a lot of players far fresher. Yeah, um, sure. Shane Dowling came on and scored a goal. <laughs> you, you know, again, actually, which was yeah. um, a very nice goal at that. What a person to be able to bring on as a sub because he's been their top player for the last few years, and now he's coming off the bench. But um, yeah, like it's it's how. I think a lot of the time when people, you know, kind of have like, oh, the secret weapon off the bench, it's it's basically trying to console the player who is coming off the bench. It's trying to pick them up and kind of improve, you know, so that they don't get their feelings hurt. But Shane Dowling generally, genuinely is like, you know, just as good as the starting player, but it's like now you get two halves with both of them coming in absolutely fresh. You know, you just have a, 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 an incredibly strong threat for yeah. the full duration of the match. Because as soon as one starts to fade, the other can come in and just, yeah, come in and score goals and score frees and score points. The scoring distribution across that Limerick team is quite wide, as in it's quite spread out over a number of different Fairly, players. Yeah. Like, 
you know, Graham Mulcahy, one goal and two points. Tom Marcy, a goal and one point. Kyle Hayes, four points. Shane Dowling, one goal. Aaron Galan, three points. Two of them from free. Declan Hannan, two points. Seamus Flanagan, one point. Keane Lynch, one point. Dara Donovan, one point. And Dermot Burns, one point. Yeah. When you look at the converse for Galway, it's... Joe Canning. Joe Canning, 110. Yeah. And, and a goal and five... And five points were from Freeze. Connor Whelan, a goal. Joseph Cooney, three points. David Burke, three points. Park Mannion, a point. And Niall Burke, a point. And what I heard say, and I'd actually kind of be interested to hear what you kind of think on this point, was that oh, we had a lot of individual performances, but not much of a team performance in the whole. That it, it kind of, you know, they were relying more on the individual brilliance of their players more than as a team effort. I believe that when teams do get tired... Like mm. go- and I think that's what happened to Galway. I think they were just still that bit more tired than Limerick. I think when that happens, teams often revert back to old habits or bad habits. And I mm. think the style that Galway played uh, last weekend was the style that you'd expect them to play uh, maybe you know, two five, years ago, five years ago, three years ago, which is pass it to Joe. Mm. That was what they're. <laughs> that's what they're playing. And I mean, you know, in fairness, Joe Canning. I mean, he got he got a lot of wides. By Joe Canning's standards, I think he, he missed uh, three of his frees that he, he did. took shots from. Um, and I mentioned as well, their their passes from frees weren't great in this match. Um, but, like, at the same time, 110, um, I think four points from pl- play, one from 65, five from frees, one goal, which was also, yeah, the, the goal also from a free, actually. Uh, very, very impressive goal. Like, actually, Joe it was Canning, cracker. Joe Canning, he wasn't 100%. He was still unbelievable, and yeah. you know, if you were going to pass everything to one player and try and, and hope that he wins the All Ireland final for you, you know, there's no one I'd rather go to than Joe Cannon. But like all year, we've been saying like always, depth is is amazing, and you know, their teamwork. Maybe since it was, I guess we first saw it kind of tail end 2016 and really saw it fully last year. Mm. And you know, even even during the semi final, we were saying because there it wasn't certain how fit Joe Canning was going to be. He had taken a few knocks in the in the first game against Clare, but we were saying like in previous years that would be Galway se- season over. While as whereas this year we kind of felt Galway still have an All Ireland winning team without him, mm. and they did not show any of that in the actual final. And I'm <laughs> I may be starting to doubt it a bit again. Like they really really lent on him for everything and. I mean, like in in fairness, in fairness, like that that goal from that free right at the end of the match, that sixty five from crazy range to yeah to like put them within a point and you know maybe give them a shot with one possession left to level things up. Like he did a lot for them, but it was too much to expect one person to do. I mean, no wonder he wasn't getting every single free like he usually does. And in fairness, the frees he missed—they were all from really crazy range. Um, it's a lot of pressure to level on one player much. like yeah. I, I, especially like in your final but, minute like with a free the pattern last year was that he was finally able to share the load a bit more and exactly. I would expect that to continue and I would expect it more where he's more you know emotional leader rather than expected to do everything on the pitch because he is getting older and he's probably not able to I mean his knee is constantly bandaged in every match. You know he probably can't like keep running at the same pace he used to and everything. Like he can put up great frees, he can put up points from anywhere, but you can't yeah. expect him to go like searching for every possession and everything like but yeah, they were just expecting him to do everything. He can't be flying around like he needs to be fed the ball like but at the same time he can't be the only 
Like, I mean, yeah. they get, Galway, you know, like Limerick get wise to the fact that Joe Canning is your main target for for scoring, uh, for trying for scoring opportunities. Like, I think, like, if, if I were to talk about the things that Galway did well, Aaron Galan, I thought they marked very effectively. Yeah. Um, Aaron Galan. One point from play um, in the end. And also, um, actually, something done reasonably well by both teams, mm. uh, but I think especially by Galway. They did not give up silly freeze. No. When they gave away freeze um, on both sides, nearly all the time there were ones that, like, they were outside scoring range or they were very tricky scoring range. Yeah. And, like, in Lamerick's case, they only had two points from freeze the whole game. Everything else was from play. Which is amazing, really. 23 points to score from play. Um, The goals um, were really crucial, I thought, for Limerick. Um, First goal in particular was one of the funniest goals I've seen. It was as ugly as as you could like. It was just essentially nearly walked in and just about got over the line. Um, I have to say, very funny to watch. And actually, if you see it on the replay... He kind of nearly puts his hand up, hands up as if like, oh, right. <laughs> you know, it was kind of completely unexpected. Um, it wasn't exactly the prettiest thing. I'd say if he could go back and redo it again, he would have. But like, I have to say, like when you needed something, when you needed that bit of a lift, I think it came at the right time. These Similarly with this. That can happen for you when you don't drop your hurling. Exactly. I know it wasn't Aaron Clamp behind any of the goals, but it's something I think got repeated mm. a lot uh, after the after the semi-final. Similarly, with the second goal and the third goal, they all came at kind of crucial times, and that ca- that gave that them that just that bit of an edge, you know. With around the time of the second goal, Galway kind of were making a, a surge back, and that second goal just came in and just kind of took the wind out of Galway sail yeah. sails for a while. And and the third one too. Every time it was in yeah. Response. The first goal came when Galway pulled ahead for the only time in the match, and then like the second, third, it was both when Galway seemed to be rallying a bit. They all really felt like, you know, knives in the heart kind of type goals, like really just killing the momentum. Yeah. Um, like, I think um, something Limerick did actually really well was keeping Johnny Glynn kind of marked and, like, you know, keeping on top of him. Yeah. I, I would have said that he was kind of effectively nullified for the whole game. Totally, yeah. Didn't get a single point in this one. Um, he was just kept out. I suppose focusing on the Galway again, and I would say this is kind of the... The best thing I thought of uh, of the match was the last ten minutes to come back within a point was yeah. seriously no impressive. No like I, I mean, I was kind of flabbergasted, like just to come back, and, and you know, I shouldn't because I've seen Claire do it, but like, I mean, and we I've saw Limerick we've seen Limerick do it too. Yeah, we, there are a lot of teams have done it this year. It's been a crazy championship. It, it's it's one of those things you think ten minutes, oh, you're safe. Yeah. With eight points, like there's no way you're going to score with that you know, within that time frame to claw that back. Yeah, and I was proven wrong. Yeah. And I have to say, if you were a Limerick fan, just to watch that lead just be gradually eroded and no response back, and at that stage Limerick had tired. You know, they just couldn't seem to get possession when they needed to. No. They were it tired. And there were silly, silly passes and silly shots from way out. It, it reminded me of like something like Tony Kelly would take from you know ridiculous me- amount of meters out. Sometimes he gets them, and sometimes they just like go 
nowhere. And, you know, you saw a lot of shots like that. Yeah, um, on... Um, right when you didn't need it. On many previous occasions, we've commented on just how impressed we were with the, with the mentality of the Slimmerick team because they were so patient and so sensible. And, like, for mm. a young team, so unexpected. Like, they really... They, they acted as if they'd all, you know, been there before a million times. They were so cool under these crazy situations. It, I think finally the occasion caught up with them, as well as just fatigue and the fact that, like, eight minutes of extra time in, in the second yeah. half. Like, it all added up, and I think they did begin to get panicky. But um, even with that panic, it was it was some comeback for, for Galway. Because I mentioned as well, working on the on the article, doing all the analysis for this one, and I've, I've put together shot charts showing where each team got all their scores from. And when I was putting that together, like Galway, almost the whole match, they were always sent out to the wings or they're sent from long range. Like yeah. Limerick fullbacks were not letting them get in. They were they were getting any high balls that came down. They were firing them away. Like Galway were not getting close range shots. But then those last few minutes, you know, they get the two goals. They get, you know, a few points. Like it really just... Uh, it was very, very close thing right at the end there. Yeah, it could have been so different, but fair play to fair play to Limerick. They they held in there and they got that last high ball when they needed it. You know, they got yeah. most of them all game. They'd let it slip, but that last one right at the end from yeah. that uh, that very very long range free that fell short. Do you think that Joe Canning's decision was the right one to take to play it in low? Do you think mm. like that? That could be within his scoring range. But do you also think that... And someone said to me this week, and I thought, yeah, possibly he could have had the time to do this. He could have, like, passed it to a Galway player in front of him or near him. Had him pass back, gain, the t- gain you know, a couple of metres and then shoot from field. Y- you know, and I, I suppose, look, that's very hard to say that and just say, like, oh, sure, well, like, when you're under that amount of pressure and the clock is, like, you know, you don't even know if you're going to get that sort of a go... Yeah. Um. At that, with that time remaining, do you think it was the right decision for him to make? I think. Yeah. I. I was going back and forth most of the week, thinking about the whether he should have, you know, gone for it. Whether he should have, you know, played it in lower. He played it in mm. as he did, or even the even the prior six five. Whether he should have dropped that one in low instead of uh, relying on them getting the next, you know, winning the next possession and so on. Um, but I think now, like, I've looked back over the footage and everything, like, it was long, long range. It was a very long range. Um, and I think even someone like Joe Canning is probably the best in the country at, at these kind of things. Hmm. I I don't think he would have pointed it. I think it was just a bit too far. I think probably his best bet was finding someone in midfield and getting it up to them and letting them, them go for the for the final point. Yeah. I think it would have been better just to have someone hanging back. Now, as we've said, all match Limerick were dominating any kind yeah. of long passes. So, like, setting this up, it would have, I don't know, they would have had to have some kind of soft perfusion, I don't know, some diversion set up, and point one direction and run the other way. I'd, they'd have to do something to shake the Limerick players. But they might have just been able to do it with so many of them back in, in the mm. box if they just had one goalie player, you know, run back last moment. Maybe they could have pulled something out. But, uh, I don't know. I, I guess every these kind of things. It's always hindsight's twenty twenty. Because yeah. if if a if a Galway player had caught that clean, which has happened in many games, you kind of expect it from Galway with so many huge players. If that had happened and they just put it over, put it into the net, you know, we have a totally different conversation. I, I don't think 
I don't think these are the areas where Galway should beat themselves up about what we should have done differently. What they should have done differently probably happened, you know, half hour, an hour earlier in that match. Oh, yeah. And like, having said that, I I, I would also say, and it is actually important to kind of note, you, you know, A, it would have been, if it had gone to a replay, that would not have favoured Galway in the slightest. No, I think when they're already that fatigued, it had to be in that kind of run. I think they all, they kind of, Needed to go for goal, rather and than I think, at the end. and I think if they had gone for a goal, and like I would have ju- felt justified in thinking that Limerick were robbed, <laughs> were oh, yeah. robbed. I think it would have been a crushing blow to take. They were playing them all game, as I mentioned earlier. Like their passing yeah. was better, their uh, forcing tur- turnovers way better, um, shooting was poor. That's yeah, you know, uh, undeniable. They uh, like they had twenty wides in this game. Goalie yeah. had 16, which is quite high too, but like 20 wides is a lot uh, out of 41 shots. Um, the stat that I kind of like to use, it, though, is uh, points per shot. So, you know, it includes goals. So theoretical max would be three, and mm. theoretical minimum would be zero. Um, and in that way, just because of the goals, the uh, accuracy isn't that different, really. Like, Galway only scored about uh, 0.65 points per shot. Whereas yeah. Limerick had 0.61. So really, because of the goals and because, I think as well, just that superior um, control of possession, I think Limerick's shooting still comes out a bit better. Like, they they got off more shots. A lot of the shots they were taking, they knew weren't that likely to go over, but I think they just mm. felt it was a safer option than passing it and risk losing it, you know, which which happened plenty of times too. You know, I, I think really sometimes you're better off going for a bad shot than a, than a bad pass. Yeah. I would say actually Kyle Hayes had a fantastic game. He did, um, yeah. He had like a, a, a absolutely standout performance. He was, my, he was performance. My Instagram man of the match. Yeah, I would have, I would easily agree with that if I was on Instagram. Um, I, yeah, I, I thought he really, really impressed. Four and kind of, yeah, and nice. kind of pretty much one after the other. Like, and actually, they were kind of grouped in short succession around each other, just when you needed that bit of a lift. Yeah. Um, overall, like I would say. For Galway, um, kind of to sum up my feelings, I thought they did amazingly well in that second half. I thought they kind of really kind of regrouped and did what they needed to do to bring it within a point. I think, um, like we've, we've commented before, Galway, their opening 20 minutes is always like just, <laughs> you know, irresistible. You, they just, no one seemed to be able to get the better of them all year in that opening mm. 20 minutes. And then they'd normally have a lull, and then just the last 10 minutes, they'd you know, fire up again and just really go for it. This game, they did have the latter part of that. They did. They maintained that incredible ending. But the opening 20 minutes, Limerick got the better of them. And I think that's when I really... I I think I felt for the first time, oh my God, Limerick are actually going to win this when they were leading at the 20-minute mark. Yeah. Just because that it's the first time I've seen in, in quite some time that, like, Galway didn't have the better opening quarter to the match. Would it be controversial to say that I would say up until that 10 minutes to go, Mark, the game was kind of boring in in, in a way that like Limerick seemed so comfortably ahead at, think, at that yeah, point. I, I don't, I don't, just, I wouldn't say, you know, totally boring necessarily. I think there's plenty to recommend it. I think the fact that it was mm. so flowing, so few. Uh, like it was an impressive things. contest. Don't, it, it was an impressive yeah, contest. Don't get no, me I'd, wrong. I agree. When you only have, um, two lead changes the entire match and they mm. happen in a one minute span 
where it's like Galway briefly get ahead and then Limerick score a goal and then it's you know back off again, building their lead again. Hmm. That was the only time the lead changed the entire match. Um, and when one team just, in the things that aren't scoring, just in every other pass of the game, one team is clearly playing better. It did seem boring. and But, you know, like, people remembered the ending to matches nine times out of ten. Well, that's, that's it. That's what people talk about. That's what people think of. And, yeah, you know, I, I think it did make the match. And, I mean, certainly when you have the history, <laughs> with Limerick especially, they, they have the famous, uh, the what was it, five-minute final in 94. 94, where they were leading by five points with five minutes to go and lost the game by six mm. in the All-Ireland final. Like, obviously, when you have that history and that running through the back of people's minds when Galway are making that comeback, like, it really... I, th- I think even the, even without the rest of the match being setting the world alight, yeah, I think that last 10-15 minutes makes more than makes up for it and allows you to call it an exciting game. And really, my point was not to take away from Limerick. Actually, it's a credit to Limerick oh, yeah. that they kind of made it a bore. <laughs> you know, in oh, a way, yeah, that's exactly what the way that Kilkenny would have boring games. And exactly. Bodies, uh, look, if you're a Limerick fan, that's exactly what you want. Um, the last 10 minutes is a bit touch and go. But I suppose, look, they saw it out. I, I think they had a they, great game overall. And I have to say, like, for Lim, um for Limerick going forward, I think, you know, look, it should be a very interesting, um, next year should be very interesting. I would have said that, you know, they may have to manage expectations somewhat, you know, young lads, a lot of young lads on that team. And, you know, that that's, it's a big change, you know, when you've won an All-Ireland, like, a lot happens and, you know, a lot comes at you all at once. Yeah, um, said, it'd be interesting to see if that kind of level of focus can be kept up for the next year and that's not to um, take away from them but it's just a case of it, it's a natural enough consequence of winning on All-Ireland No, I mean I've said um, probably a few times before on this podcast and I think I think it's why I felt like Limerick really had to go for it this time rather than relying on the fact they're a young team like people always say you know, with, with young teams oh well like they'll be competitive now for years to come or whatever and so often, other something derails that. Clare 2013. Clare 2013. <laughs> came back 2014. Lost, just, I don't know, whatever with the matchup. Wexford just got the better of them. Even though Clare were like flying in the league and everything. They just hit yeah. a weird brick wall. 2015 fell apart. 2016, really good. And then fell apart quarter Hurt. final. 2017, eh, never really. Got going. You know, mixed bag. New management, they, they, to be they, fair. They technically reached a monster final, but it wasn't anything amazing. It was against a bad Limerick team. Um, and it's only this year, really, that they've kind of looked like they've recovered. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's an obvious example. Team that won plenty of under-21s and everything, and then just... You know, they did win all Ireland out of it. But if they hadn't won it in 2013, they, you know, they didn't really come close up until this year. You know, exactly. It's a, long, it's a long time away. And even... You know, aside from Clare, look at one a team like Waterford, and they reached the All Ireland final last year. They're still primarily a young team, and I think a lot of people felt, Asher, you know, they'll be back in the mix again this year. And then all the injuries happened, and I mean, maybe they'll be back next year. Maybe something else will derail it. You just don't know. I think mm. you have to strike when the iron's hot. And I mean, Galway, I suppose, are a counterexample because they were knocking on the door for years. They had final in. 2015 and 2012 and you know again and again and again before they finally won it but when things fell into place for them really like it was but i think even with with that like they had a few core players through a lot of that period but it was still 
it took years and years of different players coming up through minors and up through under 21s before it finally came together for them, I think. So, yeah, I, th- I think Limerick, you, you don't know what will happen next year. On paper, it, they should be getting even better because now you have all these uh, players with more experience. And even, like, the course of this year, you saw this team get better. You could see mm. it happening in front of your eyes. You know, their opening game of the championship versus tip where they won it, but, like, were shaky at times and didn't seem confident in the fact that they would win it um, for periods. Like, they were the better team but couldn't make that count on the scoreboard for a lot of the game. Mm. They had the disastrous match against Clare in Munster where they just seemed to fall apart. Out of yeah. Clare. But, you know, then they came back. They had the really good game against Kilkenny, which I think I think that was one that really boosted their confidence. Match against Cork, like, just the last few minutes never say die and winning in 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 extra time like that was so good and i think it all it all built it all it all built momentum for them and it paid off in the final but yeah if if, if they're lucky anyway that will continue on into next year but you can never be sure so I, i'm happy for them anyway that they made a count this year rather than relying on the oh well they'll you know improve again next year or they'll have another shot next year yeah it, it it should be interesting. I suppose it's kind of one of those things of you know speculative until uh, speculative un- until it happens. Really, though, like they should be very good. They've, oh yeah, you know they, they they were amazing this year. They'll still have a lot of that core group later. Like you know, I, I was saying you know after this match, oh, I'm so happy for play- and a lot of people were saying like so happy for players like Shane mm. Dowling because he had years with the team, years of where they just underperformed, where they didn't, or, you know, they performed well early and then kind of fell apart later in the season, or like yeah. all these things, and he finally gets his All-Ireland, but, like, he's in, he's in his mid-twenties. He has mm. years le- left if he wants. I mean, he, he started playing for them very young, so he is, like, I think something, that was, like, his seventh season or something like that. He's very experienced yeah. player for Limerick, but, like, he's not that, that old. I think there was only one player on the panel who was around in the last All-Ireland loss in 2007. But, like, you know, they are still a very, very young team. Mountains of potential. And I think probably because of the depth in the panel, probably enough competitiveness to keep them sharp. Yeah. If, if, if it stays as competitiveness rather than actively hating one another, um, they should be able to push one another to get better, and the panel as a whole should improve from it. Mm. But, um... We've seen, anyway, like, as I said earlier, a crazy turnaround. They were so poor last year, and now this year, incredible mentally. Um, they can go on crazy scoring runs. I think underrated defensively, too. I think they can really do well in defense. Apart from that last 15 minutes, um, and you'll see on the shot charts, probably in the article by the time this podcast is mm. in, like, they really forced Galway out to the edges or very far back for most of the game. Galway had very few shots within you know inside the ideal scoring line, range yeah inside the 45 meter line and even probably about half of those were ones right on the edges of the pitch which they got wides from in the end mm. and then just very very well-rounded performance i i would say for galway i suppose like looking forward to next year i suppose look the year the year at a whole i suppose they had a kind of they did exactly what they needed to do in terms of they won Leinster, the league, they kind of took easy, you know, they, they competed, but they didn't throw their all into it either, which, you know, is wasn't a bad idea either. I, Especially I don't think... given how fatigued they were by the end and how tough a route they had. Exactly. Had, um, more so than expected, because they cruised through Leinster, and then it really mm. just it caught up with them at the end there. So I think, in retrospect, that strategy looks like the right one, but it wasn't quite enough for them. What, what do you make of them for next year? 
I suppose, do you think they'll have that same sort of a drive that they had this year and the in the two previous years? Or do you think they'll just slightly go off the boil a small bit? You know, do you think other teams will, like, they'll be, le- other teams will be less afraid of them now as a result? I think, I think last year Galway looked untouchable. And I don't think that was the case this year. And I don't mm. think it will be the case next year. I think they, they are a county which have had years and years of, minor level success and i think they mm. need to start integrating that in more heavily i think that's what they need to do with the league next year um mm. i'm not not i i feel like they need to like bring in loads of young players but make out to them like the league is the most serious thing in the world uh yeah next next winter and just like really push them get them up to speed get them integrating panel um they do have a deep panel but like they do have like when you have matches like that where they just fall back and relying on Joe Canning, they can't keep doing that for too much longer. No. You don't know how much longer he's going to be playing for, and they need to have someone else ready to take over. Now they have some other incredible players, but I just think that you know they they, they need to keep the treadmill going. They need to keep the the conveyor belt going. Um, and I th- and I think like teams like Clare have you know certainly would take confidence in the fact that you know they've met them, they've played them twice. You know, and, and it's kind of a team of like it's not. They're not going to be scared of what's not. You know, they're familiar enough to them now that they no, won't be. And they won't be as intimidated going into them. No, and I, I think I think when whenever one team is on top for a while, like Galway have been over the last year, teams probably spend so much time thinking about them and studying them. They do begin to figure them out a little bit, and they come mm. up with ways to counter them. And now Galway have to work on countering that again. Galway have to kind of resharpen themselves. For the fact that other teams are coming at them. Because, you know, Claire brought it to a replay. Uh, Kilkenny brought it to a replay in the Leinster final. Mm. Um, it was, you know, kind of a... It was a it was a dead rubber. But Dublin only lost by a point to them in Leinster. Yeah. There were a lot of teams coming from them. This... We'll get into it in the next episode. But one of the points I think we'll be making lots when we're, around, when we're kind of doing our summary of the championship as a whole. This year was really, really even. And I think... For both teams, actually, even Limerick, they're all Ireland champions. They're probably favourites to, you know, if not win it, at least, you know, be finalists again next year to go really mm. far. But they might not even get out of Munster. If Tip turn a corner, if Waterford recover from their injuries, so on, like, Limerick might not even escape Munster. I think they should get out of Munster, but I'm just saying it's not a certainty. Um, and But, like, you look at this year, I did kind of offensive and defensive uh, ratings for the last... 10 years, I think, roughly, mm. um, in preparation for another article. And you look back almost every other year, you always have one or both finalists in the top three in terms of points scored or fewest points yeah. conceded. You ha- you have you always have, like, one or both of the finalists top three in both categories. Yeah. No team was top three in both categories this year. They were all massively clustered. Last time that happened was 2013, and that's because... Claire were scoring about seven points more per game than anyone else. They could get away with not having the best defense in the world. Yeah. Whereas this year, there is just... I, I, I've grafted out, and it should be up on that article. Probably, I'd say that'll probably come out maybe a week after this this episode goes up. All things going well. But basically, this this year, if you graph it, there is just a cluster of all of, them, of nine out of the ten teams in Leinster and Munster, where they're almost exactly the same. And then Offaly are off in a corner, doing badly. They'll be in the <laughs> uh, But the other nine teams, 
if you told me any one of them won the All-Ireland next year, I wouldn't be totally shocked. No. But there's some, like, I'd say, oh, Wexford, wow, they you know, must have really improved if you told me you're, you know, like, oh, Cork, obviously, like, we're driven to finally, they didn't want to have the first decade since the 1800s where they didn't, you know, win a, win a championship of the decade. They really pushed on. But, like, none of, none of those yeah. would shock me. No, I, I don't think I would be. Like, I think, like, they're all capable of doing it. Maybe one or two less so. Maybe Wexford, I think, would be more of an outside chance. But the, they the, have as much chance, say, as Claire did in 2013 at the oh, start of the year. I'd say. Yeah, oh, they're one of those kind of ones, definitely. Oh, without a, like, honestly, without a doubt. Like, and I honestly, think that. Limerick can have that kind of turnaround they had from last year to this year. You know, why yeah. Not any, why not anyone else? Well, that's that's it. I mean, they have the same amount of time, and really, uh, all that's all that really is the di- is in the difference is you know the amount of effort that's put in, um, amount of effort. And twenty-one championships helps too, by the way. And and a few, exactly, and a few lucky breaks. And actually, um, if if you want to know how much article went up uh, between the last the last episode and this one on, uh, you know, how minor and under twenty-one success helps helps influence up on the website now helps influence mm. senior uh, performance it's probably been the most read article i've ever done for the website so check it out if you haven't already and thank you if you have read it that's an endorsement in itself people so overall yeah so overall galway not gone should be an interesting not next gone, year for them yeah i do think they need to re resharpen a bit um, mm. just like slightly getting back to it actually kind of before maybe we wrap things up fully but i yeah. do want to point out like Part of it is other teams rising to Galway's level over the course mm. of the year, but I do think there are ways that Galway have slipped, and maybe it's because I, it almost felt like they won it too easy last year. In in some ways, like they, even when they didn't have massive scoring margins, it felt like they should have won by more. But yeah, again, um, mentioning the shot charts, if you look over where Limerick were scoring from in that final, and I mean mm. they got a ton of wides, but and really, if they'd been shooting like that against. Last year's Galway's defense, they would have been crushed. They wouldn't have yeah. had hope. But they had they had four shots inside the box, three of which mm. ended up being goals. They'd one saved, um, but then they, you know, resulting kind of falling over one another from that, knocked out the Galway keeper. So you could say that was even a positive for them for that save. Yeah, then, you know, they had four there. They had another five shots, like directly in front of goals just outside the the arc you know uh, yeah you know just out like right in front just sitter range um they had so many close-up shots and Galway they're renowned for their defense and they were just letting Limerick push really far forward really deep time and again in this and yeah and, just and three like three goals three goals three says goals. it all and, and they've been letting they've been letting in a lot more goals this year than yeah they have, than they were last year Claire got goals against them as well, and you know a lot of teams have been scoring mm. scoring goals on them, which we just didn't really see very much last year. And I really think, you know, it, it was Galway's best feature was their defense, and if that starts slipping, I think the whole thing will crumble. That's something that they cannot lose their edge on, and really needs to be reviewed. I think to see what was going wrong there, in maybe the last two or three games of the, of the season. Could I take um, one shot? now at the moment um i'd like to take a shot um t- for all the pundits which i think the vast majority of them tipped galway to win this also Peter and, was like 90 percent sure yeah yeah well well peter look you know crunches the numbers and like peter at least is basing, basing it on something like i all i just thought that the way that 
a lot of the pundits came out like it was nearly like a deer in the headlights they were so dazzled by like they seemed to discount that they were brought to replay two replays by two separate teams yeah and just the, and i think both those replays they were giving galway no they were giving galway's opponents no hope and you know with both kilkenny and Clare beforehand yeah and like you know so first of all they were gave no hope to their opponents and then the second thing i thought like was that they didn't seem to factor it in into galway's into mm. galway's kind of performance that like that it wouldn't have an impact and yeah, i kind of thought that yeah, it it kind of seemed like um it it just seemed to me that the the kind of tipping should have been more even between the two teams, and it was yeah. just interesting to see that I would have said ninety percent of the pundits would have sided for Galway to win, not by two or three points, and uh, you know maybe the margin wasn't too far off, but like certainly the result was, yeah. uh, and definitely. Um, midway in the match, you would never have thought that um, God, we were going to come back into it. By the, you know, as yeah. to how they were playing, I did. Um, I will say I did see quite a few pundits tip Limerick as well, but that mm. was all people who were confident in Limerick. It wasn't anyone saying because Galway had maybe slipped off a bit. But like, I think, I think even in the in the last episode when we were, we were talking about the semifinals, I think even then I was commenting that I felt like Galway's fullback line was beginning to slip a little bit. It's patchy. And now, you, and now you see it in this game. Three goals and and most of Limerick's points coming like dead centre of the pitch, right You know, right in front. There's no awkward angles. Like that's where they're scoring their points from. Yeah. And very few where they're forced off, you know, into... I mean, they took a lot of shots from the wings, but they were kind of wild ones. But like all the things that they scored from, it was really, really central. And I think really like most teams wouldn't let a team get that dead centre in the pitch. Uh, you know, it was just very surprising from Galway. Yeah, I think it was just one of those things of uh, it's nearly the danger of just being sucked in by I, I don't know, like you know, the new the last year's All Ireland winner always gets a bit of a boost, you know, and coming into I, next year in terms of a preference or a favor purely based on the fact that they won the All Ireland, which you know is not inconsiderable, but it nearly seems to override. Yeah, there were signs uh, everything. That Galway weren't as good this year. And I just like, don't think... I think they were slow to pick up on it. Yeah, I think a lot of excuses were made, maybe, where... No, I mean, they did perform... They they, they did great in Leinster. Oh, without a but doubt. Then, but then, you know, the thing... Like, Leinster... Like, awfully were... Awfully were just bad. Um, mm. Like, it's... Some people are finding controversial that Carlo will replace them next year. Carlo won't do any worse. They don't won't do well, but they won't do any worse than awfully did this year. Awfully were just terrible. Dublin did well against Galway. You know, a lot of people made the excuse that it was a dead rubber, as I, you know, I kind of did as well. But, like, at the same time, you know, one-point difference. I think the team that wants to be champion shouldn't be letting anyone kind of keep it close. They want to be asserting the fact that they are going to beat you. You know, that you had the league performance, Galway was was poor. Mm. Like, they, it just was poor. They lost Limerick, then they lost to Wexford. It was just... It was, uh, kind of a weird one for them and a lot of people made the excuse a lot of players were still on holidays then but again i feel like you should be kind of building up your team building up your squad getting players to know one like i think scott like what happens if the if someone's injured like or two players get injured in a year like limerick, a... limerick took the league dead seriously this year they mm. went into extra time twice before they eventually got knocked out um you know, Clare, who did very well this year, they took the league more seriously. They they kind of used 
and figured out their their standard panel. They weren't just you know kind of throwing in everyone or throwing in different players every match. They're kind of building up teamwork and everything. Building. They weren't taking. They weren't. Ta- they weren't taking the Michael Ryan approach. No, um, Kilkenny, who you know probably could have gotten further. I think they maybe. They're not as good as they were a few years ago, but I think they could have gone deeper into this competition if they didn't face Limerick when they did. Mm. Um, like, they took the league seriously. They ended up winning the whole thing. So I do think, like... I mean, you can get counterexamples. You get teams that do badly in it and then come out firing or whatever. But, you know, Galway won the league last year. I think they just weren't... I, th- I think they have to, had to go all in, and I don't think they were throughout the year, and I think it eventually did catch up on them a bit. Yeah. Uh, that they, they were kind of picking and choosing their battles too much, and I think it ended up causing them to lose their edge slightly. Yeah. I think that's kind of my uh, that's kind of my rant over. I just said I'd rant a small bit about that. I do have a small note um, before we finish up, and it kind of touches on that rant in terms of uh, pundits, you know, picking things. What do they know, really? Yeah. I have run the numbers and <gasps> by the narrowest of margins I have outpredicted Pewter on this year's championship. Oh wow. On the year as a whole, Pewter beats me, but I got two thirds of matches match predictions correct, whereas Pewter only got sixty four point four four percent correct. And I got? Uh fifty seven point seven eight. I'm still better than a coin toss. Both uh the year as a whole and uh championship specifically that was the percentage you got wow you, actually, you pushed it up a bit because there are times where you're slipping below coin toss but yeah you really pushed forward got the got the nice safety margin there at the end so oh sweet Fair play. i'm this better than a coin too. toss it's proven data proves me right you, you're slightly safer with me <laughs> <laughs> not as not as safe as with a heartless computer but you know no but slightly better, safer better with me shiny penny I I'll give a more accurate uh I'll give a more accurate prediction than Michael Dignan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't doubt that. <laughs> I haven't I haven't ran the numbers there either, but I I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, that that would be an interesting thing to do an analysis on um mm. on pundits and their accuracy. <laughs> that could be a nice fun off-season article. Uh, <laughs> now that we have all this time stretched out in front of us. Yeah, that would be an interesting, interesting thing, one. But uh but before then, I suppose you know, coming up on the website anyway, there mm. is, as I mentioned, going to do the full analysis of the All Ireland final, give you all the stats on who scored what and when and where and how and you know, how did teams pass, how did teams lose the ball, all these kind of you know, how they how did they deal with shooting from different angles or different distances, where were the drop offs all just numbers. Tons of numbers thrown in your face. I might just upload yeah. the entire spreadsheet and just like you can pour through it yourself for nuggets of wisdom. Numbers all over the place. Yeah, so that should be out hopefully around around the same time that this episode is out. It should mm. already be there if you're listening to this. And then probably a week after that, I will do my overall you know championship review. Go through the stats and that I've mentioned some of the numbers already. You know, and kind of highlight just how competitive this has been. And uh, on a similar note, you know, whereas that's probably the article equivalent to this podcast episode, the following article will be probably the, the partner of our next podcast episode, which will be our overall championship review. How did all the teams do? You know, how did the championship as a whole go? Uh, 
how did, how did how did we do more of our more reviews apart from just comparing our performance to pewter you know how did we do on our bold predictions now that yeah they're they pretty they were pretty bold I'm gonna pretty I'm, bold I'm gonna give you a sneak preview now and said we did really badly <laughs> um, but we have a couple of partial truths in there so, or mm. you know unlikely but maybe true so we'll get into that i'll take a i'll take a i'll take a partial truth yeah i'll take a partial truth over full truth Especially yeah. if it's something I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I have learned nothing. I have learned nothing in the, over the last two years. <laughs> well, you know, you're better than the average person that you can admit that. Sweet. Sweet. Brian Scully, better than the average person. <laughs> better than the average penny. Oh, God. So, yeah, I think that's about it for this episode. I think that's all my ego can take. Yeah. Better than a coin toss, you know. Fuck it, you know. Sky's the limit here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you if you want to tell us what uh, forms of you know bartering item or currency that you're better than, you can tweet us at tydatapoints mm. or uh, email us at mail at takeyourdatapoints.com. Do that. And, Do the uh, Twitter and the mail thing. Check out all the articles. Thank you to everyone who read the most recent article and got that really nice response probably like we don't have many followers on twitter but it probably doubled what we did have that one article so uh yeah hope you enjoy reading it and uh hope you enjoy the next episode and hope you enjoyed the championship yeah if you have any of your uh any of your comments as well on the championship as a whole feel free to drop them in just do that but no angry letters and i expect a good performance from you because i know that one of the few people who ever does mail us in like is from Galway, so I don't know if he'll be too eager to give feedback after that final. We'll see. Maybe he's in mourning. Uh, they'll they'll be back again next year. They'll they'll definitely get through Leinster anyway. I'd, yeah, I'd say they'll minimum sem- semi final. That's it. That's the bold prediction. They had them. They had the minor win. They'll be back in no time. They'll be back. Galway minor wins always lead to all Ireland's, right? That's what they say. Or do they? Read the article. Find out. Read, read the article if you think that's true, because you need to be corrected. Yeah. yeah. Click, click, click. Make with the clicks. More clicks equals more money. was the year and August was the month There was a serious heat wave and all of us were burnt With scarfs, hats and headbands for Croker we began Connors packed his checking phrase book for said kit for the van Some of the lads away from home never had they been For the first time Badger put his foot outside of Palace Green We left for Croker hoping to meet up with our buddy Lean He's been hiding from us now since 1973 I didn't know a John to Croker can be a costly trip At Barack Obama Plaza we needed a curry chip But our friend JP gave a donation to the cause To fund a power on purchase and new jerseys from Shaw. 